When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Bobby Hall, and you're listening to TV Confidential. First of all, I know I'm excited as all get out about Truth or Consequences, brand new master of ceremonies. Remember this name. You're going to be hearing a lot about him. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Bob Barker. Here's Bob. Ed Robertson lost Steve Beverly as we continue our tribute to Bob Barker. Bob Barker, the legendary Emmy Award-winning host of The Price is Right, and before that, Truth the Consequences, and a man who was on TV every week, almost nonstop, for 51 years, 1956 to 2007, a record that will not likely ever be duplicated. Bob Barker passed away this past Saturday, August 26th, at the age of 99. Steve Beverly, a recently retired professor of broadcast journalism at Union University in Jackson, Tennessee, also our resident game show historian, uh, sharing a few thoughts on the passing of Bob Barker. Bob Barker passed away at the age of 99. Uh, I've, I've read at least one person make this comparison, uh, Steve. Someone wrote a letter to the editor. It was published in the L.A. Times last week. And basically, I'm paraphrasing it, um, basically called Barker the Vin Scully of game shows and i think he was speaking in terms of his longevity scully did the dodgers for 67 years barker of course did prices right for 35 years but i think it goes beyond the length you don't host a show as long as you did unless you somehow connect with the contestants on stage and connect with the viewers at home absolutely and that is why he was so successful with not one but two shows that had those extraordinarily long runs. And, uh, and you know, Bob had a few shows that did not do well. Uh, he did he did a show called, in fact, he replaced the original host, in which it probably was an indication that uh, the format just wasn't going to click. But after he started doing Truth or Consequences, NBC was desperate for a Saturday night show to go up against Gunsmoke, so Ralph Edwards developed somewhat of a knockoff show called The End of the Rainbow. And it started out with Art Baker, who was the host of You Ask For It, mm-hmm. uh, as the MC. And so after about five weeks, he was replaced by Bob Barker. And But the show had, you, you can't lay that one on Barker, because number one, you're going up against Gunsmoke, it was a dead deal anyway. Mm-hmm. But the other thing was that, you know, you come on in a situation like that, the audience had already made its decision about it. He did a show for Chuck Barris, which I don't think he particularly enjoyed working for Chuck, but I don't think he, I don't, I don't think he enjoyed the show because Barker behind a podium doing questions and answers. It's not that he couldn't do it, but in that kind of format, which was, frankly, nothing but a, a knockoff on the newlywed game, except it just involved whole families mm-hmm. answering questions to see what they knew about each other. 
And, I mean, Bob was competent in it, but that was not his strong suit, stand behind the podium and ask questions. He was the kind that had to be moving around the stage, interacting, interjecting things with the audience. That was Bob Barker. And and so the things that were not very successful, he was placed in situations that were not his strong suit. But if you look at it, you've got to have major talent to do two shows as long as he did. And I'll point out one other thing, Ed, about that, is that when the decision was made in 1975 to expand the prices right to an hour, it was a big risk mm-hmm. because there had been notable a couple of exceptions of failures back in the 1950s attempting to expand game show formats to an hour, and it didn't work. And could you maintain the audience's attention on a show for an hour a day and and get them to stay with you? Uh, and if you'll recall, after they did that and expanded the show to an hour, they tried it out for a week during the show's third anniversary week uh, on Labor Day week. Mm-hmm. But But then, at that point, not wanting to be left behind... The other two networks, uh, NBC tried doing Wheel of Fortune and the Hollywood Squares as an hour mm-hmm. and it, it, for a temporary period to see how they would work. ABC, against Monty's better judgment, uh, decided they wanted him to do a couple of weeks of Let's Make a Deal as an hour to see if it would work. None of them stayed at an hour. They immediately telescoped back to a half hour because... It just simply, it, Monty could have done it, but he said, I felt like that the changes we made in the format really destroyed the beauty of Let's Make a Deal. He said it should have been a half-hour show. Uh, so the bottom line to it is is that in 1975, that was a risky move mm-hmm. by CBS, but Barker was equal to the task. And I, I, I think it can very easily be said the reason that was the one show that in that era survived as an hour was because of the talent of Bob Barker, no ifs, ands, or buts. You mentioned Labor Day. Uh, this is this is a little inside baseball, uh, folks. We are talking to Steve um, at the beginning of the Labor Day weekend. Steve was very kind enough to take a few uh, minutes out of his Labor Day weekend to talk to us. It was Labor Day weekend in 19... Uh, no, it was the Tuesday after Labor Day in 1972 that uh, the Bob Barker uh, Price is Right premiered on CBS, so it's kind of appropriate that we're spending some time talking to him around Labor Day. It, it is, and it, it, it's... It makes it a very easy anniversary to remember. <laughs> you, you always know, uh, in, in most instances, what happened is, actually, it did start on Labor Day, but what happened is so many stations, including many CBS stations, were carrying the Jerry Lewis right. Labor Day telethon that a lot of people didn't see the premiere. <laughs> but, oh, I didn't know that. Oh. Yeah, that, 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 that was what happened. But the, the, the big thing about it, though, is... It took a little while for the format to evolve because the first week of shows, instead of saying, come on down, Johnny Olson would call the name of the contestants and say, stand up. And then the four contestants would all converge at one time, and it was almost like a train collision. Yeah. 
And so uh, what they did is after that week, then that's where the come on down started. And it became synonymous. It became part of Americana for that phrase. And, and, but Barker, you could tell how those first five shows, he would introduce, because uh, they would always have on the half hour, it would be three gifts, and then you would go into the showcase, and there was no wheel. Yeah. And so what, would, what happened in that case is that if you go back and look at the first five shows, and in, in that half-hour format, Barker was over-punctuating. He says, and let's go and have a look at the next item up for bids on the new Price is Right. <laughs> and, and he was he was over-punctuating, and so he backed off of that after a couple of weeks and, and made it very, very calm, which, you know, it, it didn't overpower the show at that point. So it's another example of how game shows, a lot of times from what they are like in their premiere week, they have to evolve a bit until they settle down to what becomes the ultimate format. Yeah, I'll give you another example of that. Uh, I'm a fan of the Gene Rayburn match game. There will be there. I, I have stretches, Steve, and and this is this is the beauty. Of, and this is before there was a designated YouTube channel you know, for, for match game reruns. Um, but there, there are times where I will at late, late at night, I will decompress by watching old match game episodes. And, um, some time ago I came across, um, and this is probably on the match game channel on YouTube, the first five or six episodes from 1973 when match game returned and it's stiff. You, you know, this, it takes a while for any show, no matter what genre, it takes a while for any show to find its footing. And the first few episodes of the Gene Rayburn uh, match game in 73 were more or less played straight, probably closer to the format of the 60s. It, t- it took a few weeks before it became loose and they started doing the double entendres and they found the right mix of guest celebrities and regular celebrities and Dawson, Charles Nelson Riley and and Brett Summers for the show to really take off. And and, and it sounds like it took it took a couple of weeks before Bob found his footing when he hosted the Price is Right. That's right. You know, in, in those early match game episodes they were still using some form of questions as they did on the original match game of the sixties. There would be times that Gene would read a question on the first week of Match Game 73, and and it would be like this. Name something you do when you first get into your car. Yeah. And it it would be the name something things rather than the blanks. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they would do the blanks, but what happened is they finally recognized that this was a show, if it was going to take off, it had to be a little bit edgy, but that all of the questions needed to be blanks. So that's what ultimately the show became in a matter of a couple of weeks. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. One more item. Summertime is in full swing, and if you have dry skin, you know what happens when the weather gets warmer, more visible lines, and dullness. Fortunately, our friends at Ibu Beauty can help. Their Super Duo Serum and Moisturizer is all you need this summer for the perfect load. Check them out. Ebubeauty.com. That's Y I B U Beauty.com or at Ebu Beauty on Instagram. Use customer code Ebu50 now at checkout and receive 50% off your first order. I want to take just a moment here, if I may, 
Uh, it would seem that many of you have only recently learned of Dorothy Joe's death. And I have been receiving sympathy cards and letters from all over the United States and Canada. And I wanted to say that I am most grateful to you for them. And I'm sure that Dorothy Joe would be very pleased that you have chosen to remember her in this way. Thank you very much. Bob Barker saying goodbye. We're going to circle back to something we said a little while ago about how Bob recognized that the key to doing the Price is Right or the new Price is Right as it was originally known uh, when he first started doing it in 72 was it's not about him, it's about the contestants and to some extent it's the game. Which brings me to 2007 when Bob stepped down and was replaced by Drew Carey. Now, I could have looked this up myself before I talked to you, but I've got Steve Beverly on the phone. I'll just ask you, was Bob thinking about stepping down when he stepped down in 2007? Was it something he had to be convinced to do? And, and what were the circumstances that led Drew, Dare, uh, Drew Carey to take over? I think that Bob just knew it was the right time. Because at that at that point he was past eighty, mm-hmm. and and he had always said that as long as he could walk out from behind that door with a spring in his step, that he would do it. But you got to think about this: the even though they had for many many years uh, taken the summer off, and it was one of the few game shows that went into reruns during the summer, uh, but. The demands of doing an hour-long show, and I remember Tom Kennedy told me that when he did the uh, nighttime syndicated Prices Right in the mid-'80s, he said the toughest thing about doing that show is that it was a production show. Mm-hmm. And, and he said that you know there's all of these many different things and elements that occur on the show. Well, when you're doing the hour version, and, and this is day after day, and, and he had long since decided that they couldn't do more than two shows in a day as an hour. Uh, and, and the format, really, what they would do is they would do it three days a week and do six shows. So you never, you never heard any references after it went to an hour. You never heard any references to this being Monday, Wednesday, Friday, whatever day it was. Mm-hmm. They would just do six shows in a week. Mm-hmm. Well, you get to that point, and I don't care what age you are, it takes a toll. Uh, I've done a local game show a number of years back here myself, and we would do four in a night. And I was and I was a college professor in the daytime, but yep. we were doing this show at night. And, and, I mean, I was drained at the end of that. Well, think about a, a massive production show where – all of these things have to be in place, the prizes, and you've got to do six different games that you are, you've got to be so familiar with. But it wears you out, and when a man gets past 80 years old, the time has come. And I think Bob just recognized that at that point. I don't think there was anything to suggest that he was, that anybody from CBS, I think with CBS, they said, as long as you feel like doing the show, you're it. Uh, but it was it, it was the time for that to happen. But there were so many different people who were auditioned to replace him. And, and to be honest with you, most people who are in the inside of the industry know that Drew Carey was a compromised choice mm-hmm. because there was one faction of the it, – it, it really came down to the network 
and the production staff. There were some people on the production staff that were favoring Todd Newton, who was, uh, who was one of my favorite people uh, ever. He doesn't do these shows now, but he Todd had done the Las Vegas live stage version of The Price is Right mm-hmm. for a, a number of years mm-hmm. and had, had, had cut his teeth and was really had got great, great experience doing cable game shows. Uh, and so there were there was one faction that was in favor of Todd. Then there was another faction that was in favor of George Hamilton, because George apparently his auditions were terrific doing the show. Uh, and there was the fact that they said, you know, the the age of the audience that uh, the Price is Right has that George is of the uh, of the age that potentially we think he might do a good job with this. Well. They never could reach agreement, and so concurrently at that time, Drew Carey was doing a summer game show called Power of Ten mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. on CBS, and and Drew actually did pretty – I think he was better on Power of Ten than I've ever thought he has been on The Price is Right, but uh, whereas that show did not succeed, apparently there was enough – consensus that maybe he is the compromised choice and then with the name recognition that he had had from his comedy show and from whose line is it anyway that perhaps he would be the one who would do it and that ultimately that's what happened is it's the same story that happens so many times in entertainment where you've got multiple decision-making groups and they can't agree on somebody so a compromised choice ends up being there well, I'm just doing the math in my head. He took over in 2007, so it's 2023 as we're having this conversation now. He's 16 years into the job. Maybe he's maybe it's because he's got a show that's foolproof. But you don't stay host of a sh- you don't stay a host of of anything for 16 years unless somehow you're you're connecting with the audience at home and connecting with the audience in the studio and, and the contestants on the show. Well, I mean, you have to consider, as far as the hosting talent, I would never put Drew in an elite category, but as far as his endurance, mm-hmm. you have to put him in an elite category that he has made a show run this long and continue this long when there were the ultimate comparisons to Barker. Absolutely. And for that to continue, and here's something else, and this irritates me because the mainline media the mainline entertainment media never points this out the price is right has never lost to the view in the ratings in total audience the view gets a lot of because of those yapping people that are on there the view gets, i say it and i don't apologize for the, the view gets it gets publicity because of those yapping people who will say anything and, and they all get politically on the outs with each other. And so they get the publicity from all of that. But they have never beaten the prices right head-to-head in the ratings. And the other factor is that in recent years, the prices right has drawn younger viewers than The View. They have drawn a larger 25 to 54 age audience than The View. You heard that on Ed's show when you won't hear that from a lot of the mainstream media because they just are in love 
with all of the controversy that comes out of the view. Steve, Steve Beverly, our resident game show historian, retired uh, professor of broadcast journalism at Union University, Jackson, Tennessee, uh, sharing a few thoughts on the endurance of The Price is Right, both uh, when Bob Barker hosted the show and its continued endurance in the past 16 years uh, with Drew Carey as host of the show. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.